the skincare world is like a minefield. There's always a new product, there's always a new gadget coming out. It's hard to know which products are actually non-toxic and are going to deliver powerful outcomes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. From a list of over 250 skincare, hair care, makeup, hair, skin, nail supplements, grooming supplies, dribble rollers, and dermal rolling serums, I've got you covered. All of these products are pre-vetted by me and are free of parabens, salate sulfates, artificial dyes, and fragrances. Head on over to the shop page at theschoolofradiance.com. If you'd like some customized guidance, which I highly recommend, be sure to book your one-on-one -on -one session. Use promo code PODCAST15, and I look forward to connecting with you over at theschoolofradiance.com. Enjoy today's episode on the School of Radiance podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode right here on the School of Radiance podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Varga, a humble human on a mission, here to help you achieve and receive the best hair, skin, and nails of your life using my background since 2011 as a double board certified aesthetic nurse specialist and having performed over 20,000 rejuvenation procedures. I bring the best of many worlds, including the worlds of home care, in clinic and also the research behind what truly can help slow aging looking at some of my research on oxidative stress status and its impacts on the skin in the school of radiance podcast we explore many things beyond just the superficial to help you glow from the inside out and become your most radiant version enjoy today's episode right here on the school of radiance podcast Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to a very exciting episode right here. In today's episode, we are discussing the links and overlaps with joint regeneration and skin rejuvenation. Our outsides are a reflection on our insides. And as we speak, I'm just about to submit a 10 slash 11 page academic research article on this concept of oxidative stress through environmental toxins in the air, water, lighting, electromagnetics, and obviously our foods too, and creating different mitigation strategies and also talking about different procedures that are on the market using stem cells that um, I think are the future. And there's some interesting things going on in that space. So this is not medical information. This is educational information only. If you think you have a medical condition, you must seek the guidance of a licensed physician. So it's going to be a really exciting episode because I've uncovered so much in the stem cell space that really I think should be translated into the skin and rejuvenation space in regards to patient screening and being able to deliver optimal outcomes. Today's sponsor of this episode is Organifi, who make my favorite superfood juice blends. I'm sipping on the green juice here. I've already had the harmony in my coffee. Save 20% at Organifi.com forward slash Varga with code Varga and start drinking your adaptogens to help you overcome stress and navigate life with a greater sense of ease and grace and also get those superfoods that are necessary for your cellular function to have clear skin and also their glow formula has tremella mushroom which contains about five times more water 
in that molecule than hyaluronic acid does. So the glow one is great for skin. So consume your superfoods in a deliciously easy way with Organifi.com forward slash Varga using code Varga. Let me tell you about today's guest. We have Dr. Jeffrey Gross, MD, the stem cell whisperer, joining us today. Having turned down MIT to attend UC Berkeley, Dr. Jeffrey Gross, MD, studied biochemistry. We both studied biochem, we're huge nerds. And molecular and cell biology before attending medical school at the George Washington University School of Medicine. Dr. Gross completed seven years of postgraduate training in neurological surgery, including a fellowship in spinal biomechanics. When the stagnation of traditional medical practices became apparent, Dr. Gross leveraged his super conservative, non-surgical, and minimally invasive background and experience by adding cutting-edge regenerative medicine options. In the last five years, additional research and training has led to an expansion of his care to anti-aging and longevity medicine, given its overlap with regenerative stem cell medicine. Dr. Gross's research experience began at the NIH during his high school years and includes Lawrence Berkeley Labs, the Beckman Laser Institute, and various universities. His work has been cited nearly 1,000 times by other publications. Maybe I'll add some of your stuff into my paper too. We'll make it 1,001. Dr. Gross has always has post-baccalaureate training and interests in biophotonics and artificial neural networks. Standing head and shoulders above his peers, Dr. Gross has won many awards, including top, top, top doctor and top rated neurosurgeon. He strives to put patients first above all else. Dr. Gross provides regular volunteer medical care and fosters a number of charitable causes. Welcome, 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 Dr. Jeffrey Gross, MD, the Stem Cell Whisperer. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for that warm welcome. I always enjoy seeing with you and talking with you. And we always come up with great ideas from the nerdy science side to the, to the unknown explored side. So I look forward to this very much. Thank you. Wonderful. It is fabulous to have you here on the show. I would love to just get right into it. In the space of medical aesthetics, in my understanding with creating this very robust, in my opinion, research article, I'm seeing that there are some discrepancies in disease screening, in patient screening, in patient consultation in regards to ensuring that the oxidative stress status is lowered so that people get better responses to their rejuvenation treatments. Now that isn't really done in the traditional medical aesthetic space. However, it is done in the stem cell space. So the purpose of this paper is simply to put forward like, hey, we have colleagues in this space that are doing truly innovative things and they have all these additional tests that they do to screen patients, but it's not done in the medical aesthetic space. So I'm here to disrupt things a little bit. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, you're, you're 100% right on. Um, you know, it, first of all, traditional medicine, there's, there's, a, there's just a few inflammatory markers that are looked at uh, to, to match with disease state or process or health. Uh, but as you advance into the cutting edge areas of medicine, then 
like stem cell medicine, regenerative medicine, you don't want to put the, the highest octane um, fuel into a car whose engine is not tuned up and not working well. It's just not going to be worth the investment. So if someone is, is looking for some regenerative procedure, looking to get healthy, looking to foster longevity and health span or something specific, they want to help their body heal, reverse disease, that kind of thing. Uh, it makes complete sense to understand the body status, the inflammatory status. Now I'm talking internally, but how you are, how your cells are and how your physiology is on the inside is reflected. And of course, how you look and on the outside and how you feel, how you, how you uh, behave and exhibit yourself, what energy you have and, and not just physical energy, but perhaps even other energies. So I am a big fan of understanding the body's status in terms of all different inflammatory markers and, and uh, cellular changes. And some of these changes uh, can be measured in what we call biological age tests. But what we really are measuring is the accumulated chronic inflammatory changes in our cells. Yeah, fascinating. So right before this call, I actually just got off of another call with one of the uh, medical scientists with a company that basically they centrifuge and process and purify and then freeze um, adipocyte derived stem cells for then reintroduction for other regenerative processes. And they were walking me through all of the different uh, diseases that they screen for and I was like, wow, this, this isn't done in medical aesthetics, but it should be uh, simply based on the statistic alone, this, this, you know, I'm not going to say this to alarm anybody, but, but this is just countrywide data in Canada in for the year 2019 mortality rates doubled. Let me repeat that doubled due to death of unknown cause. Now, this is straight from Stats Canada referencing in my paper. I then sought further uh, explanation of what exactly this category is. No, it wasn't COVID or anything like that. That had its own subcategory. And so basically, it's things that couldn't be diagnosed. And we're just seeing this huge uptick of autoimmune stuff. And our environments are becoming more toxic than ever. Air, water, lighting, electromagnetics, foods, you name it. We're exposed to so many different things, more so than we've ever been exposed to before. And it's unfortunately making us sicker if we don't know what to do to mitigate them. So that's what this paper is about. It's about mitigation. Now, why do you think that is that all these additional screening processes that are done in stem cell medicine aren't done in medical aesthetics? Well, um, I think first off, and not just medical aesthetics, but of course we'll include that, um, traditional medicine is so highly scripted now by institutions. And those institutions are based on payers, particularly in America. And I think historically, perhaps in Canada as well and other places. So, if, so we have growing biotechnology, you know, you, you and I both have backgrounds in biochemistry. You know, there are thousands upon thousands of, of research papers published every year very little of that gets translated into clinical medicine, which is one of my great frustrations. And one of the main reasons I went back into seeing what was the newest and latest and best things we can do. So therefore, I think it's important that we, we don't disregard that. And traditional medicine is left in the, kind of the dark ages, if you will. We should look at this. We understand the cell so much better than we did 20 or 30 years ago. 
So we need to put that information to work. There are labs that will do these tests. We can study the cellular status. We can improve those, those cell status or inflammatory programming before a treatment, before something involving regenerative medicine, before an aesthetic procedure to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And in my, in my research, it's these different markers such as looking at HLA levels, right? Looking at the overall stress burden on the cells isn't looked at when someone is, say, showing up and wanting a neurotoxin or a dermal filler or a laser treatment or even, you know, a blepharoplasty or breast augmentation. Like the screening process is not the same. So what this paper is doing is it's highlighting that, hey, I think the medical aesthetics industry needs to up their game a little bit to reduce the likelihood of adverse events. We see this with dermal fillers, with infections, with biofilms. Uh, They're contraindicated in those that have different autoimmune conditions or connected tissue diseases like rheumatoid rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, But I postulate just a step further that many... um, unsuccessful outcomes or people that have paid a lot of money and they just don't get the results that they want, they could have had better results if they had a practitioner that took the time to get their oxidative stress status lowered. And what I mean by that is an analogy I've used many times here on the show, this toxic bucket theory, this toxic bucket analogy, if you will, get this bucket as empty as possible so that when you decide to invest and show up for something to improve the skin tone texture and all of these things, or for pain improvements, for joint improvements, spinal improvements, get your health in the best place possible so that you have better outcomes. Do you agree with that approach that something needs to be adjusted and enhanced in the medical aesthetic space to catch up to where uh, stem cell practitioners are. 110%. That's why, you know, when we, we meet with anti-aging clients or, or regenerative medicine clients, we treat the whole person. We treat all their cells. Uh, we want to stack the deck for a favorable outcome for what they, not only what they need, but what they desire. And I think that's the difference in cutting edge and regenerative uh, approaches, what you're doing on the aesthetic side and hopefully, you know, what we do on the anti-aging and joint and spine side as well, is we want success. Uh, we want everyone to do as best as they can. And, and that might take some cellular reprogramming by emptying that toxic bucket, 100%, 110%. Can you explain this this HLA term to us all? And this, I, I know that this is a test that people can spend extra money for. It's a couple hundred bucks to well over a thousand sometimes. Uh, what is this looking at? And uh, in my understanding, it's used in the stem cell space prior to treatment, correct? Uh, it's, one, it's one of them. I know you, you, you said you, you got off a call right before this. Uh, and, you know, I, I look at all of them. I don't want to segregate one particular, but there are, there are panels of 10 or 12 different inflammatory markers or, or cellular changes, methylation in the cell, uh, you know, um, you know, glycosylation in the cell, and these represent the overall accumulated burden. Um, we used to just, you know, in traditional medicine, order what's called a sed rate, or we got fancier. We got the C-reactive protein, which are which are really helpful. They talk about the correlation of that and long-term cardiovascular disease. Then we added homocysteine and others. HLA is just one in a spectrum 
And there are now panels of these tests and some cutting edge labs. And I work with a couple where we, we actually send out our samples to uh, give us a profile and they compare it to, you know, st statistical norms of people the same age. This is the same for the biological age test because we take a person and if, if we want to help guide that person's cells back into a less toxic or more health, healthy state, uh, then we have changes to make and we need to look at their existence top to bottom and everyone's different. We all have different biochemistries and how we metabolize things. And it could be as simple as one base pair change in our DNA and it functions fine, but it's a little bit different. That's why some people process a medicine or alcohol, for example, different than someone else. And uh, we have to come to an understanding of that and we have to address it. We have to make lifestyle adjustments. It could be diet, exercise, breathing, sleep, EMF exposure, and I see you're wearing your glasses, and you know I, I'm going to take an aside here, and maybe embarrass you a little bit. When we met, you were, I thought you were so cool because you had these yellow glasses on, and and I met our friend Ben Azadi this the next the next day, and he had yellow glasses. I'm like, oh, how do I become one of the cool kids? Turned out you're you're protecting yourself. You're wearing blue blockers now. Mine aren't quite as yellow as yours, but I am wearing my blue blockers now, so I'm. I'm, I think I'm cool too. But um, all of these changes can help modify these, you know, epigenetic markers, inflammatory markers. And remember, inflammation is aging. So inflammation is disease. It's uh, inflammation is health and longevity. So if we can tweak those, and it could be something very easy. It could be a 30-minute walk every evening and fresh air and grounding and um, moving away from electrical power lines, things like that. And, and then redo those tests, get on track. Then anything we do in the regenerative medicine space, anything you do in the aesthetic space, which is really sort of rejuvenation, regeneration uh, as it relates to uh, appearance, but, but even that involves cells just under the, the, the epidermis, right? is the same. We'll get a much better result and people paying for these procedures because they do cost money, will get more for their money. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what's really neat about this world of stem cells. And when we met in Florida, uh, this was a, a biohacking conference, right? It's not Dave Asprey's. It was another one by our friend, Dr. Ross Carter. And so we're in a room of, you know, I've, I loved being in this room. There are about 30 or 40 stem cell docs that are like the cowboys of, you know, where Botox and all these other non-surgical injectables were in the 90s. So I'm really excited to see, be in this space, taking my understanding and knowledge of application products, uh, the protocols, they, they continue to get better and better over time. So my goal is to see what you guys are doing really well, which is your screening process, and then take that back into medical aesthetics. And what's interesting about some of my thoughts on the differences between medical aesthetics and stem cell medicine is people usually come to a medical aesthetics office and they have fine lines, wrinkles, pore size, pigmentation, laxity to the upper or lower eyelids, jawline laxity, jowls, all these different types of things. And they know that they can just show up and someone's going to have a solution for them. Now, the missing link is the functional side of things and the preparation of the client ahead of time. Because I started to notice, this is what you notice when you've gone from 2011 to 2023 now, 
when you look at someone who already looks pretty healthy, they don't have overt signs of inflammation, such as redness to the eyelids, atopic dermatitis, which is commonly happens, you know, changes of seasons, spring, winter, seasonal allergies, things like that. It precipitates inflammation. You really don't want to be doing anything rejuvenation wise at that point. You want to get that individual some to a place where their oxidative stress status is reduced, their toxic bucket is reduced. And this isn't really well understood or appreciated in medical aesthetics. So I'm helping to disrupt that. So people show up to, you know, look better, have some things corrected. And with stem cell uh, medicine, I see it primarily working more on pain and joints and regeneration of tissue. But what's interesting now is the stem cells are now being applied and collaborated with in medical aesthetics with microneedling, with hair growth, and as well as with ablative laser resurfacing to promote healing and allow those uh, stem cells to actually be absorbed uh, transdermally, which is so cool. So I see such an overlap here. Is this as fascinating for you as it is for me? <laughs> uh, it, it is. I'm, I, I love dedicating my time to this. I haven't read as much scientific research now on a daily basis than I have since, gosh, since I was, you know, writing articles about spinal neurosurgery in the nineties. So I'm, I'm, I'm amazed every day with the, the, you know, robust growth in this field. And, and you're right. We're not only, it's not only for joints and spine and bones. Um, regenerative medicine is for, um, so many things. And, uh, you know, we, we, we see papers on treating and addressing organ issues, diabetes, uh, in some circumstances, neurologic conditions, Alzheimer's disease, almost anything that relates to an inflammatory process. You mentioned arthritis. I mean, that word alone means inflamed joints, right? But uh, Alzheimer's disease, for example, has an inflammatory component. MS does. Even people recovering from head injury there is an inflammatory repair system. And as we get older, we can't, we can't have the perfect acute healing and then turn off that system. We sort of have a leaky chronic inflammation system, not unlike a leaky gut or a leaky brain syndrome. So um, it, regenerative medicine uses are growing um, and we, we are excited by the results, at least on a patient by patient basis. Yeah. What's really neat is the, the it's, it's, this is a, pun, a play on words here, but literally when you're applying stem cells to damaged tissue, whether that's an acne scar or an injured knee, what's going on is these cells are very uh, well programmed to then be able to differentiate into other types of cells, whether it's cartilage or other connective tissue, um, fibroblast support, all these things to get that tissue in that area to behave in a more youthful way. Again, it's like, okay, we're just going to put some youth factors <laughs> into this area for a specific reason. I think it's absolutely fascinating. One of the really interesting things that I heard uh, in a presentation on stem cells and how they're processed and the patient screening process was that certain people are not considered candidates for adipocyte stem cells uh, and, and going under that process. And this, this is going to be a little controversial here. So I'm just going to, you know, give you a heads up here. 
However, those that have taken um, a particular very new medication on the market over the last couple of years are not being considered candidates. And I was really surprised to hear that. I was like, wow, this is actually part of the pre-screening process that if someone has taken a relatively new medication, you probably know what I'm getting at. They're not considered candidates. So what does that make you think um, in your space? I know we're kind of, you know, beating around the bush a little bit, but I'm sure you listening know what I'm talking about. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Rachel, I want to be upfront with you and your audience. Um, and, and I'll just make a disclosure first. Um, you know, this is for education and discussion. This is not medical advice for an individual, as you said at the outset of your um, uh, broadcast. Um, and any information here is, is certainly, I don't want to violate any laws about what doctors are supposed to say in certain jurisdictions. Be that as it may, there is a pretty well-known viral infection that, that's out there. And there have been efforts to um, prevent that uh, spreading amongst us um, through certain pharmaceutical deliveries. Um, we know this virus to be one of the most pro-inflammatory, aka pro-aging viruses out there. And it, we are learning more and more about the effects of this pharmaceutical. And um, we are seeing um, some things. And I don't know all the statistics. I don't know that the publications are longitudinal and large enough. Uh, but we're watching and we're learning. And that's all we can do as science, scientists, doctor scientists, and, and nurse scientists, and medical scientists. So be that as it may, we're seeing issues. And we're addressing those issues by using the most powerful anti-inflammatories on the market, and that's regenerative medicine. Uh, or maybe not on the market, I should say, but available. Um, you brought up adipocytes. Adipocytes mean fat tissue, uh, and fat tissue is one source of stem cells. But, and I, I told you I would, I would step into this uh, during the broadcast, uh, fat, fat source stem cells are not my favorite source of regenerative medicine for the following reason. A lot of fat storage on our bodies, or what we call uh, obese tissue, is pro-inflammatory. Uh, obese people have a, a higher inflammatory burden. And it's because the message being sent to those fat cells is store this inflamed triglyceride, long chain fatty acid stuff. These aren't the good fatty acids. These aren't the good fats, right? So when you harvest stem cells in that area, and they do, they have shown benefits in many, in many areas of, of application, but they are probably not the best. And as you said, we want the most youthful signal going back. So, I am not surprised that someone has seen, if that's what you're referencing, uh, something that prevents people even from using adipose-derived stem cells for aesthetic procedures who have had access uh, to this particular pharmaceutical. Um, we may even find that people who have also uh, had this particular viral infection may also be impaired and need more anti-inflammatory changes in their life before they would benefit optimally from a regenerative procedure. Now, I hope I didn't overstep, but that's, that's kind of what we've been reading and understanding. 
education purpose only. Yeah, I was just really surprised to hear that very clear statement. No, these are not candidates for this type of procedure at this time, uh, based on current knowledge. I was just floored by that. It's like, wow, um, that's that's saying a lot about the potential oxidative stress and just the unknown effects of what happens if you transfer fat from someone who has had something, what's going to happen to that fat, right? And the other thing to consider is that fat stores a ton of toxins, right? So when I did a long five to seven day fast in Sedona and Southern Utah, sort of like mid late last year, I cleared out a ton of my senescent cells. These are zombie cells. These are cells that senescent cells, they kind of are just sort of stuck. It's like leaves on a tree that need to get pruned out. And the way that you get rid of those things is through autophagy. That's what a long fast is going to do. And I use things like the paleo valid meat sticks, some of the protein bars I sell on my uh, my e-store website, Organifi products, molecular, mineralized, hydrogen water, tons of grounding, all these things really helped to support my body to get into reparative state. But the first couple of days are not easy when you are detoxing. Just want to make that very clear. It's, you know, do it, do it while you're camping. That's, that's how I did it. So I was distracted by nature and all of that. What are some of your favorite approaches to maintaining and regenerating the structural elements of our bodies, such as our joints and spine? Uh, thank you. So this has become my passion. It's allowed me to, to take my love for the spine, because I've been a spinal neurosurgeon for 25 years, and regenerative medicine and combine them together, although I do treat other joints now more than I ever have. Uh, and that's really uh, to take the most youthful source, as you said, of regenerative uh, medicine. And that comes from the perinatal products. It comes from amniotic fluid. It comes from, you know, uh, mixing with the umbilical cord jelly, Wharton's jelly and placental cells. And these are available in the United States. They're screened. Um, they are uh tested. I don't know if they're tested for a certain viral vaccine, but after this conversation, let me look into that. Um, but these are concentrated down, um, purified uh, amniotic fluid. Um, they are not manipulated. They're just concentrated. So I'm really using um, the cell-to-cell -cell signaling particles uh, called extracellular vesicles, aka exosomes. And these come from the stem cells, but they're not cells. And why do I like exosomes strategically over stem cells? A couple of reasons. First, exosomes tend to cross the blood-brain barrier because they're so small. So if we want anything to get into the nervous system, um, into the brain, then, then that's good. Two, they, they tend to last longer um, in the bloodstream. Uh, and, and, and three, they're just more efficient, easier to, to deliver in a concentrated dose. Uh, than the stem cells at no additional cost. Like the cost is about the same dose per dose. Uh, I'm not against stem cells in any way. They're great. They work. All, all the different sources have, have benefits in the different arenas. But I find the best benefit from exosomes. Now, where we put them is also important, right? We have, we have a chronically degenerated joint, whether it's due to age specifically, repetitive trauma, perhaps injuries as an athlete or at work or something like that. And we have a local environment of where we lose the squishy part. We lose the cushion. We either lose the disc in the spine, 
loss of the height, loss of the hydration, uh, and that is worn down and people get to the point where their doctor says, you're bone on bone, you need a replacement joint, right? We're trying to avoid that. Or in the spine, you need a fusion. I've done plenty of fusions. I try not to. They're, they're you know, sometimes large open procedures that carry risk and, and, and they don't, they're certainly not logical in terms of repairing if we can repair ourselves. Since a three-year-old can have a knee scrape that's almost disappeared, the scab is almost healed in three days, why can't we heal like that? And why, why do our cells become senescent, as you said? Why do they go to sleep? Why even the stem cells do that? Well, sometimes they need a kick in the pants, a reminder of what they're capable of. And that's where I like the exosomes. So we have found, based on literature out of France with more than 15-year follow-up, and in our own experience, that injecting not the joint itself or the disc itself, but the subchondral bone on either side of the cartilage is where those stem cells exist that need to be awakened. Those are the stem cells that give rise to tell the local cells to be youthful, heal, make the cartilage proteins regenerate, repair, heal. That's what we're trying to do. Now, there are studies that show injecting the cartilage or the disc or the joint itself can be helpful, but we have found even better results from injecting the surrounding bone because where are the best stem cells in our body? The bone marrow. So that's been our experience, and that's how we see regeneration of some of the structural elements of our bodies, joints, spine, things like that. So I'm at the age of my reproductive years and having made so many wonderful friends in the stem cell and exosome space over the last little while, I am considering doing something with my amniotic fluid and umbilical cord uh, at that time. And this is a whole thing, right? People get a kit delivered to their house or wherever they are uh, to collect this stuff. What does this collection process look like? And I have been told by a colleague of yours that they would pay top dollar for my amniotic fluid. Just so, just something, just something to, to laugh about there. Uh, that I'm sure that's it, that'd be wonderful. I actually am not presently involved in auto collection like that. Uh, I know it's out there. I know there are wonderful companies working on it. Um, I am currently applying off-the-shelf generic generically available screened uh, donors, uh, perinatal fluids. Um, be because regenerative medicine modulates and controls the immune system, we've, we, we really don't see a rejection, particularly with exosomes. Exosomes really don't have much in terms of the surface that can be identified as foreign. So we don't have issues there. Um, However, using your own healthy uh, biological perinatal fluids uh, is a fantastic idea. I just don't have any background in that. And I hope you could find someone and get them on the show because I would like to make it available to clients of mine in the right setting as well. Well, I mean, this is how this all works, right? I've hosted like over 350 interviews here on the show, way more than that, probably over 400 at this point. 
and we just all connect. It's like after we do an interview, hey, so-and-so, here's an email introduction to so-and-so. Go and make some magic. It's, it's really cool how this collaborative um, space in spirit works. And it's really done in an effort to just support others, right? When we support you, you support us, makes the whole world go around. Uh, but I am very interested in potentially collecting my own amniotic fluid and having some rejuvenation with it. I just think this is a fantastic idea. Uh, it's homogolith, right? So it's it's not like, a, it's not a drug, it's, it's your own. That's why it has a, such a, um, a high rate of being well accepted by the body, which is why I think there's been so many concerns about regulation around this because you can't actually like put a patent on it. Um, so it's it's been interesting learning about the regulation around stem cells. I've been doing a ton of research behind the scenes, including it in my paper. Uh, so I've been I've been um, uh, behind the scenes quite quite a little bit of a busybody uh, learning about some things that I I never learned in my in my aesthetic nursing career. But I I really feel like this is this is the future. Do you what do you think about that? Do you think that this is the future of rejuvenation? I, I do. I think the future changes every month with this field and, and, you know, what we're doing now, you know, people who haven't doctors who haven't taken this on, you know, say, Oh, in the, they tell their patients in the future, this will be available. And frankly, I was one of those doctors five years ago. Um, it's not the future, it's the present, but you're right. Collecting your own and, you know, maybe, maybe freezing them and saving them for yourself or your, your, your family as you need them. I, 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 that's, that's parallels some of the, the stem cell donation, um, uh, and the umbilical cord, um, harvesting and, and freezing that's been done for many years. So there are some concerns about advertising of this and trust me, I'm looking at all this stuff, the regulation, the advertising, how do we get the word out about this? And, and it's a little bit tricky. Um, and I, I did a consultation for a lovely gentleman. His name is Matt. And he said, Rachel, if I had all the money in the world, what should I do for rejuvenation? What should I do? Where should I go? And I said, Matt, it's not about having all the funds in the world, but rather the access to the communities of practitioners that are at the top of their game, that are looking at the research, they're going to conferences, they're typically speakers um, and researchers themselves, very active and excited about learning new things. But the thing is, it's not gonna be the easiest to find them. Do you agree with that? Uh, that that's, uh, you're spot on because the regulations restrict the claims that can be made uh, and that's fine. Um, you know, we can't say that stem cells or exosomes treat or cure any disease or condition because that's what we're, the regulations are. And that's why clinics and other countries can make all kinds of claims and all the advertising uh, focuses on those places. You don't have to go to another country to have these um, procedures and access to these things. They're here. Um, but we, we just we have to be very cautious on and proper on how we uh, we explain this. So regenerative medicine can help your body heal. That's what it's doing. It's not healing you. It's helping your body do what it used to do so well when you were three years old or even a fetus. 
it activates that those cellular pathways. It increases cellular repair, DNA repair, antioxidant proteins. It suppresses the leaky inflammatory, you know, um, pro-senescent uh, proteins. It's a programming switch in your cells back to a more youthful state. It's helping. Um, that is important that we, we make that distinction between treating or causing. Now, ultimately, if you have a procedure and it helps treat your knee pain, great, but we can't make that claim because we don't want to run afoul. And because of it, we can't advertise that claim. Well, I mean, the same thing goes in the medical aesthetic space. It's, you are hoping for a certain outcome, but you can never make any guarantees. Just how you can never say that anything is 100% safe and effective. It's just, you can't make those types of claims because someone could have some thing happen with their oxidative stress status, right? Their HLA typing could predispose them to, oh, maybe not that individual. So you can never 100% say anything like that, even with a skincare product. There's always a chance someone could have a side effect with something as benign as a topical skincare product with five ingredients, right? All natural ingredients. Um, and I just, I'm really hopeful for the future of medical aesthetics that other aesthetic practitioners get this. They're combining the functional, they're combining the knowledge of regenerative options and really doing better screening. And when it comes to screening, this can actually get very simple. And so in the paper, what I'm bringing up are just visible signs of inflammation for practitioners to be aware of, to maybe delay rejuvenation on that day to a time when that individual is, is feeling and displaying as looking better and not stressed out. Stress and inflammation are one of the biggest ways for you to um, be considered in a different HLA type that would make you not a candidate for, for certain things. So stress and inflammation, you got to get that stuff down. Air, water, lighting, electromagnetics, final, my favorite mitigation options, house, easy household options on my favorites page at rachelbarga.ca. Link is in the description. It's all the stuff I use behind the scenes. So when we're talking about figuring out if someone's going to be a good candidate and have a great outcome, because I'm all about optimal outcomes for the eyes, for the jawline, and now for slowing aging and reducing oxidative stress status so that they get better outcomes. What is radiance to you, Dr. Jeffrey Gross? And how do you see that present in your patients and those you connect with? And also maybe how you see the opposite of that signs of maybe someone is inflamed and should be taking a little bit more time to learn about taking better care of themselves? Um, great question. Thank you. I, I, um, radiance in my practice most often is, is helping someone remove pain. And when someone comes in in pain, um, and that's where we start, you can see it in how they walk and how they sit, how they get out of a chair how they grimace, um, you know, can they smile? Is the smile genuine? Or, you know, you, sometimes you ask people, how are you doing? They say, fine, but they're not. It's just this knee-jerk answer, right? You can tell. Um, and so so the lack of radiance is, is what I call, you know, someone looking like they're in pain or behaving in that pain. I'm feeling that pain, manifesting that pain. And usually in my practice, it's spine, neck or back or joint pain. You know, we do a lot of knees and hips and ankles. I think, I think the lower extremity joints are probably 
more susceptible than the upper because of weight bearing. Although I have a collection of athletes with a lot of shoulder issues, um, which tend to be most, most sports require, uh, maybe not soccer perhaps, but use of the upper extremities. Um, or for, for those of you watching from other countries, football. Um, but um, radiance is someone who has been able to enjoy a change from pain to no pain. And with that, uh, improve quality of life, improve function, returning to activities, not having to take medicines. I don't want people taking medicines if we can help it, especially the pharmaceutical medicines. Um, but um, I'm a big proponent of of non-pharmaceutical supplements. Pharmaceuticals have a role in the right setting for short uses, and we do use them, but the goal is not to. The body has the ability to do a lot of healing, and, and I'm just learning more than I ever have, more than I ever did in medical school, how we can tap into that for ourselves. And I'd also add another layer. Um, since you and I are both speakers, clinicians, active researchers, we're going to conferences we are interacting with other disciplines. And so for me to have had an interaction with a parasitologist with about 40 years of experience in parasitology and hearing what they have to say about the skin, right? Morgellons disease and other things, it often gets confused for stubborn acne. Someone's put on Accutane or antibiotics or topical skin agents and it doesn't go away. And so I would, you know, go even a step further with the screening process to look at organisms, yeast, fungi, uh, heavy metals, molds, and parasites, you know, prior and doing, doing that work prior to rejuvenation, prior to regenerative um, treatments, because you may actually get to a root cause of what was causing you that issue in the first place. Now, when you're talking about pain, Oh my gosh, the last couple of days, I've been in a lot of pain. I was in two car crashes, uh, still dealing, one of them was 2019, still dealing with, um, you know, bilateral upper back, neck pain with pain going down my arms. And it's really frustrating. And, you know, I do all these things to manage and reduce pain. However, I ate some food the other day that clearly had canola oil and all these other things. And then it's just like, boom, pain spike. And it's just so frustrating when that happens. So I take such care of myself. And then there's one thing just like, okay, I feel like my toxic bucket can handle it. Nope. You're just, Rachel, you got to just stay as pure as <laughs> humanly possible. so that you don't hurt all the time. Uh, so, so what thoughts are coming up hearing you, uh, having you hear me say, I take such good care of myself. I do, you know, one little thing here and then I have a ton of pain. And do you have any suggestions? <laughs> Well, listen, you, you, you've do, you're doing the right thing, right? You're doing um, all the right uh, toxic bucket removal activities. Um, I know we haven't talked about your, your supplement regimen, but I, I imagine you're taking it's uh, the right supplements <laughs> and, and your, your keto diet, which is most anti-inflammatory diet. You're, you're, and that's how it helps. By the way, keto diet was figured out for seizures, uh, to treat seizures because the brain is more inflamed, more likely to have that electrical spike and seizure. So um, we're now finding ketogenic diets good for head injury and, and other things. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're doing everything you can to have the least accumulated chronic inflammatory cellular and bodily burden from all potential sources. 
you're mitigating it with the right supplements and food because food's your best medicine. Um, you're using diet. You're removing your senescent cells, which release. They just leak inflammatory proteins. So you got to get rid of those senescent cells. Fasting is a great way to do that uh, for autophagy, like you said. Um, and we can even get down to the organelle specific. We can talk about mitophagy and getting getting rid of the older mitochondria within the cells. And how do we do that? Yeah, how do we do that? Oh, that's that's another hour we'll have to prep for because the, really is a whole line of supplements. But, Part two. but a lot of the same things, the ketogenic diet, fasting, these, these things will all give you uh, renewed um, uh, mitochondria and mitochondrial volume. If you've heard the difference between brown adipose tissue and white tissue, you know, if you exercise, brown's the stuff that burns off like this. Why? It's robustly full of mitochondria. That's why it's brown. Muscle is robustly full of mitochondria. So probably the most anti-inflammatory thing you can do across the board, all things considered equal, which they're not, would be exercise. Now, I'm not going to get into the type. We could talk for another hour on the different types and methods and high intensity and how much a day and when. And there's so many good experts on that. But exercise, even just walking 30 minutes a day, is probably the most anti-inflammatory thing you can do for your other pain. Now, what else is understanding the source of that pain, what we call precision knowledge of the pain generator. Why do you have pain? Where is it coming from? Is there, is there something on your imaging as a specific spot? And, and that really requires my old hat, my old neurosurgery spine hat is, let's figure out where it's coming from. Because maybe there is a focal injury that's not healed. Maybe you need a little bit of exosomes or regenerative medicine or stem cells or something to that area to help you heal from that. And then you can go back to your regular life without that pain. Well, how about, how about this? Next time I'm in Florida, I need to pay you a visit. Florida's great. I have to meet you there because I am right now in Henderson, Nevada. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'm I'm sure something could be arranged because, you know, <laughs> I'm doing all the right things. I truly am. I would say more than most people, right? When people get in pain, they just go to drugs, they go to alcohol, they go to different unhealthy behaviors. And when you're doing the work and you still have some things that, you know, you want to take care of so that when you age, because we're all aging, we want to prevent things from happening in the future. So what can we do to prevent our bodies from wearing down so fast? And how can we slow aging in your opinion? So um, besides exercise, which I just, you know, hung my, uh, my number one hat on right there, you've got to exercise uh, to, uh, I think, um, diet type and timing. So this could be uh, having a, a light cycle, dark cycle, intermittent fasting or intermittent feeding, we're not designed to eat 24 hours a day. Um, so when we sleep, when it's dark out, we need to sleep well. We need to sleep in a cold room. We need to have complete darkness. We shouldn't have screens for a number of hours before then to the extent that's possible. And, and, not, and, and really, we shouldn't have eaten for a number of hours because our body clears toxins and slows the inflammatory and aging process during that restorative sleep. And if we're not getting that, we're going to age quicker. So one way to slow aging is to, is to use those strategies. Uh, second is I, I agree with you that an, uh, an occasional uh, longer fast, um, you know, it, 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 
the first day is the hardest. I'm sure you'll agree. And then after that, it's kind of just day two, day three were rough for me. <laughs> right. But, but the, the three, the, the three day fast has specific importance because in three days you reset your immune system, you cause a turnover of all your immune. Uh, and remember your immune system is your inflammation system. So if you want to reset your immune system, get a whole new set of, of immune cells, which by the way is busy making sure we don't have cancer because we, we develop mutated cells all the time. We have an immune system that's clearing those out. If your immune system is impaired because of inflammation and, and inflammaging changes, you're more likely to get cancer. So um, I would do a 72 hour fast every six weeks, if you can water only. Um, and um, if you can go beyond that, you get even more out of it in terms of clearing out your senescent cells and it causes your body to release what we call survival proteins, right? You got heat shock proteins, what you get when you get in the, in the hot sauna, which I know you do, you can get other types of survival proteins in the cold plunge. These, these basic small proteins, they stimulate parts of the DNA to be used that do more DNA repair, that do more uh, cellular health and, and youthful anti-aging type programming in the cells. So these, Light stresses are what we call hormesis or hormetic stresses, exercise, heat exposure, cold exposure, calorie restriction. These things all lead to anti-aging and longevity. Yes, wonderfully said. So it's, it's at the end of the day, we just want to reduce that inflammation. That's why environmental factors, stressors, air, water, lighting, electromagnetics, the foods, Shout out to Viome for making a wonderful food-specific test. About to do my full body health intelligence. Learn more on my favorites page at rachelvarga.ca. That's one of the best ways to make sure that you're not eating foods that are contributing to your inflammation. And I'm very curious what my biological age is compared to my chronological age. Because last time I took the test, my biological age was nine years younger, which is, um, I wear that very proudly. Um, stay, I'm sorry still staying humble. However, it's a metric. It's a quantifiable metric. And you're simply sharing that. Uh, and it's, it's, it's great doing one-on-ones with clients and they've taken the test and they're like, oh no, my biological age is older. It's like, all right, well, that's okay. There's some work to do. Retest and then see if you've been able to alter that metric. All right. So here we go. What can be done for injuries and diseases of the brain that affect thinking cognition and memory in order to positively impact our radiance, our skin health, slowly aging, all of that. Well, um, thank you for that. We, we touched a little bit on some of these and maybe we'll just kind of string it together here. And, and what I'm seeing is that, you know, as we age, as we inflammage, um, we have slowdown in cognition. Uh, we, we think slower. We have trouble remembering why we walked into a room or what, what that person's name is, um, or did I do that? I can't remember. Did I turn the stove off? You know, um, we see this also in, in the setting of dementia, of head injury, of repetitive trauma, like in certain athletes. Uh, we see it in, in um, other types of disease states. Long COVID, uh, for example, is one of those. We, they have an inflammatory burden that's incredible. And, be, and with that is a slowing of the cognition. Um, so all of these things have something in common. It's the inflammation in the brain and the, the way to attack that. And by the way, we now know that the brain and the spinal cord have regenerative 
capability. How much is not quite clear. We're learning how to tap into that. You know, when I trained, we really didn't think it had much. We were taught something called plasticity where, oh, well, there's some unused part of the brain that will relearn how to walk again. But we now know that th there are ways to tap into that. When we use regenerative medicine in the current state, we're using what are called um, uh, mesenchymal cells. And mesenchymal cells come from the mesoderm of the fetus, the middle layer of the embryo. Um, those are the most ubiquitous in the body. They deal with the structures, the bones, the ligaments, the joints, the discs, these things. The nervous system comes from different cells. It comes from the neuroectoderm. And we do not yet have available neuroectodermal cells. However, the same cell-to-cell -cell signals from the, 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 um, the mesenchymal cells can stimulate some of the neural cells. So I'm a big proponent, therefore, of the exosomes from the um, mesenchymal stem cells or MSCs. They can travel to the brain and help uh, certain issues like that. In addition to knowing the inflammatory status, working you know, hard on all the lifestyle factors, the toxic bucket, as you said, and to do that. And if you are knowledgeable, if you, if you know, if you don't have cognitive problems, they call this gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. If you, people who look like they know, they radiate that. So there's a radiance of a healthy brain. You can tell someone, someone knows when they look befuddled, they lack brain radiance in a way. So that's my, that's how I draw it together. I hope that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually um, doing some behavioral psychology the other evening. I love, you know, I watched a couple Sex and City episodes. I'm like, wow, these are some seriously dysfunctional women in relationships. I find this really boring. No, I used to love that show. I just don't anymore. It's really funny. But how this concept of elegant beauty, and this was um, inspired to me by a psychiatrist, Dr. Paul. And what is on the surface is simple. Underneath is complex and practical. The simplicity is what makes it practical and easy to understand. How can we be more elegant? How could we be more radiant? How can we be more beautiful? How can we show up in a room and have people notice us for our beautiful radiant energy? On the surface, look put together, look well organized, nicely dressed and avoid looking disheveled and not very attractive with messy hair, body odor, or visible signs of looking sick and unhealthy, looking inflamed. If you don't look like you take care of yourself, like you probably don't take care of other aspects of your life too. Look healthy on the outside and consciously put together with well-groomed hair, skin, and makeup. And of course, nails for an elegant look. Keep your external world also neat and tidy, like your home, your car, your office. A simply designed home performs complex needs and is very practical. Move your body through exercise and self-care towards health and simplicity or more knowledge on running your system if it needs additional attention so that your insides that are very complex behave in a practical and properly functional way. Now, if we can combine modern medicine and innovations, that have been on the market for, I have a seven to eight year rule. If something's been on the market for seven to eight years on the general population, after it's been released on the market, sure, maybe entertain it as, as something to look into. But before that, I recommend just holding off for a little bit. That's why in my studies of stem cells and exosomes and mesenchymal cells and, you know, liposuction derived stem cells, I've kind of wanted to take a little bit of a step back. However, 
now these things are starting to become more popular. They're offered in wonderful longevity clinics, obviously performed by physicians and surgeons under you know, sterile conditions and, and things like that. This is something to now seriously consider as well as peptides. And because that's also been available, it's, it's still in his research phase. So I'm really excited. What are you excited about in the future of regenerative medicine, slowing aging, beauty, and radiance? Uh, that's, that's awesome. I love your question. Um, I'll probably need a couple hours to answer it, but let me try to summarize it. <laughs> um, first, exosomes are generic. They're just the start. We will, we will be, and they do exist, but we will be able to access designer exosomes, exosomes that are better at healing a joint, exosome, exosomes that are better to be, to be compared with microneedling so that they they stimulate the fibroblasts and the dermal cells best. Uh, exosomes to uh, target the pancreas and uh, work against type two diabetes, things like this. These are coming. Uh, also, we we are looking at um, you know the the factors that convert cell stem cells even backwards a step to these induced pluripotent stem cells. Now. These on their own could be dangerous, but in the right setting might be what appears to be the, the best strategy against cancer for people that have it. Now, of course, but that's not fair. The best strategy is, is to prevent it. Uh, the second best strategy is to be able to cure it uh, once it once it occurs. Now, cancer is not one disease. It's many. So there's a lot of work to be done. That's coming. Um, I'm a big fan of the peptides. Peptides, uh, just so just so we're all clear, what they are—they're small proteins. They are proteins, but they're small ones. They're small and targeted to certain areas within the gland system of the brain—the pituitary, the hypothalamus—to stimulate things that we lose the ability to have as a youthful person. The the simplest one would be like melatonin, which is kind of a peptide of sorts. Um, now we talked about light phase, dark phase and how we take melatonin maybe to help us sleep. Melatonin also is a dark face hormone that does other things besides help us sleep to our cells that need to do what they do, just like a plant does during the dark cycle. It's not undergoing photosynthesis, but there are, are uh, cellular uh, pathways and programming that occurs during the dark for a plant, just like us. So peptides might be a, a a quicker way. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to see that exosomes actually contain some peptides and some of the designer work will be take the exosomes, put the, put more of certain peptides in there that are needed for an individual. So be customized or we call precision medicine, precision regenerative medicine. Those are the things that, that excite me, uh, that, that everything excites me right now that we're doing, that people we're treating, the brain injuries we're looking at, the, the, uh, the joint regeneration, but this is the stuff that's coming that I'm, I'm, I'm hooking my lasso on when I see a paper in the literature, I read it, I save it. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to write on this because you're right. We need to get the word out there. So um, I try to get out in the blogosphere, I guess the kids call it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What, you know, one of our standards of practice as practitioners is to continue to add to the body of knowledge. And once you've been in an industry for five to 10 years, you probably know a couple things about that space. And I just want to encourage you listening, if you are fellow practitioners, to get out there and write things that are excited, that, that excite you. 
And it's just going to add to yourself as a practitioner being able to answer questions. That's why I think talking about this exosome, stem cells, all these things in the medical aesthetic space is great because the consumers are seeing this stuff, right? They're seeing this, that, the other thing. They're seeing skincare with exosomes and, and stem cells. I've seen plant-based stem cells and skincare since 2011, right? From Swiss apples. <laughs> Just a quick question that we'll end off on here while I have you. What are your thoughts on exosomes and stem cells in skincare? Are they stable? Are they going to do anything? Or is it a buzzword? Uh, I'm a big fan of exosomes um, for skincare. Uh, I, I have paired those with some microneedling. Um, I don't think the exosomes or stem cells really get through the dermis well. The, our dermis is amazing. It's, it keeps so much out, um, but it also shows our age. So um, your, your, your radiance and your skin health really come from the biology of your skin, which comes from the, the dermal cells and the fibroblast supporting cells around them, the fibroblasts and things like that. So I think that's, that's a big deal. Um, we talk about, you know, inside out people, like you said, people that are, you know, addressing their toxic bucket, uh, being anti-inflamed, being anti-aging, um, they will naturally have a more youthful skin appearance, a more radiant appearance. I mean, if you look at two, Two 80-year-old women, one might look like an elderly grandmother and one may look like a young, vibrant, dynamic, active, uh, you know, someone who's 20 years younger. Like you said, your biological age is nine years younger, you know, um, and that, that is because one of those persons has been inflaming at a more accumulated and accelerated rate than the other. And it shows through their skin. So um, lifestyle, diet, exercise, exposures, all these things have a role in how you look. And to accelerate that and improve upon it, we have, we have as, as you could tell better than I can, all kinds of ways to tighten, tone, and texture skin. And then on top of that, add the regenerative piece so the skin can help keep doing that on its own as a more youthful person would. Yes, absolutely. I would... Um... I put a little plug here that I think that the whole thing about exosomes and stem cells and skincare, I'd like to see the science like actually in a skincare product itself be sussed out. I got to, you know, try some of the stuff I had in the past and sure. I liked specific formulations. I'm just not sure just how active those types of cells actually are in like a topical skincare product. That's, that's essentially what I was getting at. Um, I feel like my skin is looking extra fabulous today because last night I did a scrub, I slept in my mask, I washed my hair. As so a using good skincare that's non-toxic, obviously you guys know that's what I'm all about. Learn more on how I can support you over at rachelvarga.ca. Use promo code PODCAST15 for 15% off of a one-on-one -on -one call. I'd love to meet with you and support you and shop easy for all your skincare and professional self-care needs on my e-store, free of toxins, paraben salates, sulfates, artificial dyes, all that stuff. If you have a question, email me, info at rachelvarga.ca. Check out the link of this episode for more information. And Dr. Jeffrey Gross, where can people find you? How can they follow you? How can they work with you and learn more about your wonderful work? Thank, thank you so much for that. Um, first of all, I'm a TikTok newbie, but we're having fun making TikToks. So go to uh, the Recelebrate TikTok page and watch me try to make TikToks. We're on Instagram. We, we like to put out some fun content there. Same at Recelebrate. 
and uh, we have Facebook and we have a website. I'm, I'm uh, happy anyone on this who watches this podcast, um, I'd be willing to do a 30 minute uh, conversation for anti-aging at, at no cost because you are a fan of Rachel Varga and she's a friend of mine and I'm a fan of hers. So the uh, link just, is in the description. That link for that 30 minute call is in the description of this episode. Perfect. So I'll, I'll make If there's a problem, let me know, but I'll make sure our, our link works so we can get that done for you. Just contact us, reach out. We'll schedule a zoom visit just like this and let's make a few tweaks and make, uh, help you get, make yourself younger. Yeah. Let's just look our best, be super pure, radiant, and just, you know, show up and do the stuff we chose here to do and have a fabulous, beautiful life in the process with wonderful interactions with ourselves, people, places, and things because our brains and our bodies are working better. Your skin will naturally follow. Thanks for your time. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Have a wonderful day.